Good evening, Patriots, and today is Sunday, July 16th. It's near the end of Sunday for the on the East Coast. I guess you're already into Monday, but that's cool. Great weekend. We just had an interview in the previous hour with Chase Terwilliger, who is the CEO of CB Distillery, who's one of our sponsors, and that link is always below the podcast. So there's a promo code down there, Bards, 20% off. Great product line, uh, so anyway, check it out. It was really pretty. It was a great interview for informing everybody. So one thing that we do want to do is always get good sleep. And part of that as well, besides having great products, is great supplements, is also having great products to sleep on. So like MyPillow is where we're going with that one. MyPillow.com has an amazing limited edition MyPillow sale going on right now. And it's the pillow's as low as nineteen ninety eight with your promo code. And you guessed it, that's Bards is your promo code. And you can find all those great ads over on the Bards page. So it's mypillow.com forward slash Bards. And there's just so many awesome sales going on right now. They've got the biggest bed sheet sale ever. Giza cotton sheets for down as low as twenty nine ninety eight. I won't sleep on anything else but those. I love them. And, of course, they have the new MyPillow 2.0. And that's an amazing deal. They've got a four-pack. So you've got two pillows and then two small travel pillows. And that's down as low as $99.98 for four pillows with your promo code. All sorts of great stuff going on. And I, I would just encourage you to head on over there and see the sales. They're all featured on the site, mypillow.com forward slash bards. And, of course, your promo code is bards. And the thing that is about this is we have to really recognize how successful the, not just – my pillow has been, but how successful it's been because of the support of patriots across the nation. I mean, Bed Bath & Beyond is now bankrupt, which is <laughs> wonderful because they're one of those cabal companies. So anyway, head on over to MyPillow.com forward slash Bards, MyPillow.com forward slash Bards. Check it out. Check out the great product lines. You're, I, I just, I can't tell you other than I don't sleep a ton, but every hour I sleep on these products, and I would never thought I would be saying this, makes a difference, and I know it when I'm not sleeping on them. So 
MyPillow.com forward slash Bards, promo code Bards, pillows, sheets, comforters, mattress toppers. They've got all sorts of stuff, everything you need. So anyway, check it out. All right, Patriots, some cool stuff. I um, told you on Friday, I think, but I can tell you officially, today is my third day on this carnivore diet, which I'm really sold on, like super sold on. Even had one of our Bards members from Chile write me and tell me that she had been on it for two years, three years, I guess, and uh, then has now recently switched to more of a keto-friendly diet. So what is it and, I, and why I'm telling you about it? Because it's all part of this pillar number five, which is health and wellness. Now, I'm not telling you that this is – I'm going to be very clear. These are my opinions. I don't play a doctor. I don't act like one. I don't wear a white coat. I don't have a medical license, you know, all this stuff. Do your research. But I have researched this extensively, and this is how I kind of came about to where I'm at. I started, Dr. Lee Merritt and I have been comparing notes, and I'm going to try to get her on this week or next to talk about the parasite issue. And increasingly, she and I keep coming at the same conclusion that a lot of what we're witnessing right now is parasites. Parasitics in technology, which would be the injection shot, and parasites in our food and our environment. And so in a simple sense, this is kind of the way it looks like what's happening. They wore everybody's immune system down that wore the mask, which made them susceptible to natural organic parasites. And then who knows what they were putting in the environment. They put everything in the environment. And then at the same time, they were able to convince a whole bunch of people to take the shot. So that then reduced their their immune system again, both by the compromise with the mRNA and also just what all that technology is doing inside of them, the graphene oxide and all that stuff. And it's different. It's not all the same. It's different ones. And some of these are loaded with other viruses. But anyway, these this become parasitic attacks on the, on the body to such a degree that the body is then becomes susceptible to organic parasites, demonic entry points because of the digital parasites and digital parasites that are causing energy drain through frequency. So this is all kind of the war. And the one thing that's common is that these parasites all seem to prosper in a highly carb-based diet system, meaning sugars. It needs sugars to really seriously survive. So that led me to the back door of going, okay, wait a minute. They're waging a war on meat they're trying to force everybody to a vegetable-based and bug-based diet. All of that's carb-based. And I'm sure that whatever they're growing in these GMO labs, these vertical agriculture facilities, is going to be horrible for you, engineered specifically to make you stupid and compliant. And then you add the, the, lack, the uh, lack of meat, which is now in the United States, while we were being led astray on the yellow submarine that blew up under the water, they quietly approved lab-grown meat to be put in the U.S. supermarkets without being labeled as lab-grown meat. So be aware of that. I would buy your meat from a butcher and know where it comes from. And when I say that, like go to a butcher that sees the animal, doesn't get just the packaged meat. So anyway, all that was, and I kept going on this, and I'm like, this is bizarre because obviously the diet is a huge part of this war. Not that we didn't know that. Food is a weapon system, but diet has become an increasing part of the sustainable part of destroying at least the United States. And these parasites are growing in people. And then there's a parasite that they've located now that's an organic parasite that settles into the brain that's able to pass through the blood-brain barrier, which of course has been permeated as well by the mRNA. And that parasite can cause a person to change their affections in gender. How's that one? This is very serious. All this stuff is documented. So I then started reading about reading just about testimonies of people that had changed their diets. And I don't really like that term because it sounds faddish, but we'll talk about, we'll say it in terms of eating. And this form, formula of eating called carnivore, the carnivore diet is what they call it, the carnivore method. The idea was to break completely from carbs and to go into meat, animal-based products. So that means meats from meats, fish, shellfish, 
So that can be meat from a cow, meat from a lamb, meat from a pig, meat from chickens, doesn't matter. And then as well, get, get into shellfish and fish. And then adding to that, you only cook in animal fats or, and then you can also eat eggs and milk and cheese. So to a limited degree. And so I, as I read this, I'm coming across amazing testimonies of people talking about having autoimmune diseases corrected, their body settling into natural, naturally into their weight, more energy, revitalization. And it all starts to make sense because now what you're seeing is like, okay, wait a minute. As you do that, you're taking the food away from parasites, which means your body's going to start naturally flushing those out. And these parasites that have been kind of wearing us down, that they're trying to get more of a, more of those parasites in us, are now now able to be cleansed naturally, and your body starts to rejuvenate through the nutrients that are more readily available in meat. And essentially, what you come to, especially when you start researching this, pay attention to all the articles that'll tell you that <laughs> these are the ones I love. And you know that you know you're into the right place when you're reading the articles of like the carnivore diet will kill you. You can't live on the carnivore diet. You'll get sick. You'll you'll die. And it's like, oh, really? And it's like, what happened to the Plains Indians? How'd that work? Because they were doing pretty well on just meat. So all that said, I decided, well, okay, let's do it. And you know me, I'm going to give it a try. So I, I've committed for the first phase, which is 30 days. I started on Friday. And so this is day three. I feel great, by the way. It's like the best, I'm, all I'm eating is meats and meats and fats of animal fats, right? No carbs. I do, I do drink coffee. You're allowed coffee. Some say not. I'm like, whatever, not giving up coffee. Sorry. And just find myself like feeling great, more energy, more focused already. And that's three days in. So I'm anxious to see where this goes for 30. But if this does, as I expect, this will just become my base diet, period, you know? And I'll just stay on this until I lose 20 years of, and I get younger. And I'm kidding, but anyway, this is going to be like the. This is going to be the best ever diet. And so it's like tonight I had a grass-fed, which my one of my cows, grass-fed ground beef with grass-fed bacon burger, and not like on top. I'm like like cut up the bacon, mix it in with the beef, cook it on the grill, lightly smoke it. Ooh, tell you, and some elk meat. So it's awesome. So that I'm just encouraging you to to explore some of these things as you wish. Telling you that there's got some there's some real issues here that are that they're trying to steer us away from. Anytime you bump into something of extremes where they're trying to tell you to go the other way, figure that the way they're telling you to go is the wrong way. So, and it's not it's not missed that the food pyramid got changed to a highly sugar carb carb based diet during COVID and the shot period. So. There's something going on there that's very real. Dr. Lee Merritt will be able to talk more in the specifics, but I can tell you that it is a parasitic-based issue. And I'm, a, I mean, I'm absolutely convinced of that beyond any measure. Oh, yeah. So we'll talk a little bit about that more in a second. Um, one thing to be aware of right now is these psychopaths, and let's be clear, these are psychopaths that are running this world. They have in mind all sorts of crazy things. And one of those that they would love to do is to give us all a, a blast that wiped out all of our electronics or create a weather storm that's such degree with lightning that would be able to fry all our electronics and leave us, you know, basically back in the dark ages. And that would also, and if they had their way, there'd be like some major solar flare. We need to have protection for that. And with, we are, with, like it or not, we're highly dependent on digital. And that goes as far as your vehicle. It goes in terms of your computers. It goes in terms of your meter on your house. Um, we, we're, we're just a digital world. Even if you have a ham radio station, you got to be worried about that. So head on over to empshield.com, empshield.com. These are amazing products. They're a fantastic way of insuring, giving yourself a great deal of insurance, so to speak for any potential event of disaster. It'll protect you from an EMP level one, two, or three 
also a lightning protection with a with a twenty five thousand dollar insurance policy that goes with it, and solar flare protection up to two hundred twenty eight thousand amps, which is significant. I wouldn't want to be in the way of that. These are fantastic devices, easy to install. I have it on the Jeep, the ATV, the house. I'm probably going to install a couple more in various places, like a ham radio station and so forth. They have them for your RVs, for your solar panels, uh, for your for your fixed generator. Really, really good products, all tested at the best labs in the nation to the highest standards, which is DHS and DOD. So, again, head on over to EMPShield.com. Your promo code is BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, and you're going to get $50 off each item. But here's the best is that right now, in addition to that, there's a 10% off everything site-wide. And that carries on from what they call their Freedom Sale, which started on July 4th. So they've got that continuing. So I would really encourage you. This is a great time to buy them. They're a great product. They're 100% American-made and tested. Great quality, great product support on their site. You can find all their research, and you can find all the installation guides you need and easy to install. So check it out. Um, EMPShield.com, EMPShield.com, promo code BARDS. So I'm going to we'll lead into something here. I don't know. One thing I want to just uh, hit on quickly, I don't know if you're following this blow up with Robert F. Kennedy Jr., another one of the media hit pieces. What's important about that is you've been hearing him say that in comments, and he's right, they would love to assassinate him in the legacy of what they've done to his father and what they did to uh, his uncle. And that's when I say they, you can put your fingers right on the CIA having been involved in trying to eliminate the Kennedys. So Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is out here and he was in a meeting and uh, he made a comment about, a reporter asked him about these, the COVID being targeted at people because he had made some comments about that. So he was very specific, and he said that, yes, to his indication, it appears to have been, and he referenced a specific medical study that was then that stated in the medical study, it wasn't his work, that it looked like the Askenazi Jews and the Chinese were relatively immune to the COVID-19 virus or whatever we want to call that. Now, that has super big importance, and, and the reason is Ashkenazi Jews are the Kazarians. That's, and where does that take us to? Ukraine. Okay, so just so we get the picture here. And that wasn't his speaking. He was just referencing a study. Well, of course, the New York Times, being the CIA rag that it is, wrote that he had said that the Jews were spared, which is not what he said. And they had that thanks to the global media network run by the WEF and other pervert pedophiles around the world. They played it. They even printed this in the Jerusalem Times. And the whole idea, this is what you call, this is what political assassination looks like in a 5D or fifth generation warfare model. Okay. That's, this is how they do it because they want to get a rift going to such a degree that, that he will be hated and reviled by a particular group of people and seen as a Nazi. That's what they're trying to do when they themselves are the Nazis. So anyway, that that kind of has that was a over the weekend big craziness, and just watch how this worked because Roseanne Barr was on Pierce Morgan's show early last week, and he came at her for saying comments about Ukraine, forgetting that Roseanne Barr is Jewish, and she just laid into him, slaughtered him with the words basically, what's wrong with you? Do you think all Jews are good people? Which was a great comment. There is a rift going on in in the Jewish community, and it's awakening, and there's a group of them that are increasingly seeking Jesus as the Messiah, which, and they're realizing they've been hijacked by a group of people that are not so true. So, um, they're, well, they're not at all. They're just, they're Ashkenazi Jew that are by, by declaration, not by not by actual origins of biblical origins. So you've heard me talk about that before, but just a really interesting how quickly that flared up. So this weekend's been interesting for me because I've had some pretty amazing times. Um, kind of just, I was working up on the ranch all weekend, working with the cows. There's a number of things that have come up, and I just want to kind of share this tonight in just my walk as I walk with Jesus and just some things to reflect on pretty deeply. The... 
and so some of these are, I think, good warnings to be aware of as we really abide into what Father wants, but also a, an under, a deeper appreciation for the realness of life. So let's start on that one. The cows have been up on the back pasture of the property, and I needed to move them down to the lower 20 acres, 25 acres, where there's, the grass is unbelievably thick. We've already harvested out um, about 40 bales of hay, and still with what's left, it's enough grass to feed them easily until the fall. And so they had, I had put, <laughs> I think I told you this, I laughed because I, I, I put them up around the house and uh, let them be my ground maintenance crew. And they did a pretty amazing job. They, they mowed the grass as well as I did. They got all, all, most of the other high grass down, which was around some of the planting areas, and then left enough fertilizer behind to sustain that for a whole year. So I'm just letting that fertilizer dry out before I go through with my chain harrow and drag it out. But anyway, they did a good job. I was proud, I was proud of them. So I, I had to get a, the stock tank reset with, for the watering for them on the lower pasture and had to get some dry mineral in place for them and so forth. So got all that done and got on my ATV and went rodeo riding with the cows and, and got them herded down off the hill. And three of them were stayed well behind. So I got the main herd moved into the field. And once they saw the grass, man, there was like no stopping them. They're, they're gone. But the other three held back. And they were the three cows that held back. I realized what had happened is one of them is very lame right now. And, I, and she's not doing well. And I'm, I'm very concerned about her. Um, and they were kind of huddling around her to kind of protect her. So I had to get her to move. And she was having a hard time going downhill. And I was afraid she was going to fall. She's, she has either damaged her hip from birth last year or she's damaged her front left knee. And I don't know which yet. And it could be both, which is really sad. And I, the problem we have here is this cow is with, with calf. She is, she's pregnant. And I think that what's happening is as she gets more pregnant, the weight and strain on her hips and her body is getting greater. And she's just not walking well at all. Um, I've just felt really bad for her. I was very concerned yesterday when I took her down off the hill that she was going to fall and break a leg, in which case I would have had to put her down right away. And so I finally got her into the lower field and she got in a ways and the rest of the herd was way out in front of her and she didn't even join the herd. She just grazed a bit and then just laid down in the grass, which told me how much pain she was in. I saw her today and she was, they had all kind of moved up near the water, but she's not staying with the herd and the herd's not staying directly with her, which is not a good indication. Kind of shows that she's becoming recognized as the, as the weak link. And so there's kind of a, sense of natural selection that's going on before your very eyes. And so this gets into a greater discussion because you start to, you, when you're working with animals and everybody that has worked with animals knows right where I'm going, it isn't just as easy as saying we're going to turn her into hamburger, especially on a couple of levels here. I mean, I want to care, see if we can get her medical. We're going to get a vet out this week to look at her. But looking at the, the way her, her legs are working, there is something physically pretty damaged here. And I'm not sure she's going to be able to continue. And the problem is, and now I'm in a bit of a, we're in a, we're in a decision point here because I would like to have her give birth. She's due probably late fall. Maybe I have to kind of, that depends on when she was pregnant. I think, I think she was pregnant up in February. So she's heading into, they're about nine months gestation. And so that's, that's a big discussion that I'm going to have to have with the guy that I run cattle with. But it, it changes. It really brings out the heart in the person because you have to start looking at the fact that you're not putting down one, but you're potentially putting down two lives. And it's irrelevant of whether you get the burger out of it. There is, there is a whole real thing here. And, I mean, she'll be turned into hamburger either way. And I don't mean that flippantly. I mean, it's just Cows are, that's part of their production, right? I mean, this is why they are there is to produce meat ultimately and to reproduce life. And that's kind of their cycle of life in relation to us. And we're not set up well to put her in a pen and keep her there indefinitely while she heals. So these are some challenges that we're going to have to come across. But where the, where the real 
reflection point was today is what's happened to us as a humanity. I watch these, as I move the cows, I'm watching the mothers and the calves. And the calves are funny because they're getting big enough now. They're probably getting in around three to 400 pounds. They're starting to get, there's, some are still nursing. We haven't pulled them off. The, we haven't pulled them off their mothers yet. And we're going to do that in a week or so. But we've given them the full summer to nurse. We could let them roll um, until the mothers have their next baby, and then which, in which case the mothers will get them off nursing anyway. But it's going to be better for the mothers if we can get them off now to let them grow some more strength while the grass is big and, and thick. But it's interesting to watch that dynamic because the, the calves will be kind of, one, they're curious, and two, they are... <laughs> They try to be bold. And and as the ATV comes up to them, then they realize that that's not a good thing to be bold with. And I'm not being mean. I just have to keep them moving. And so the first thing they do is they run it. And they're this is a 400-pound animal. Okay, I want to be clear about this. This is an animal that's big enough that it can cause some disruption. But they're still kids. And the first thing they do is they run up by their mother and they tuck away. And it's always wonderful to watch because you're like, this is so normal. And in a world of so much bizarreness, you have to ask yourself, like, what's happened to us? Where did we go awry here? Because I, I am, I, I think it's a sad statement of where humanity has gone. And it's such a tragedy to watch so many wander when the animal kingdom doesn't have confusion, but we have so much. And at root of that is, there is a simple obedience in the animal kingdom to the purpose of which they have in life. And we have a convoluted obedience because God gave us free will, which is very interesting in itself because that's essentially the rift between Satan and Father God, which is he felt he, he gave us too much authority and that we needed to be told who to abide to and who to pray to and who to worship. And God's position has, was that, and to our knowledge, always has been, it's our free will to choose. And ultimately, if we choose him, then the, the rewarding kingdom is unbelievable. And what we've seen is that people have become prey to the material things and the wants and desires that have nothing to do with being human. In fact, they, are, they believe that these people out here that are f- pushing these agendas believe that we come from some primordial goo that somehow grew fins and a, and a set of gills and then somehow grew feet and walked ourselves out of the pond. I mean, this is the sort of nonsense that they believe, and that's all this Darwinian evolutionary junk. And here you look at cows, and there's the, the kids are kids, calves, and the mothers are mothers, and mothers as a collective even look after some of the others. And then you have the bull, and I mentioned this in last week, where he's out here roaming around. And one of the calves the other day decided to kind of be a, a, a cow with him, with the bull trying to kind of headbutt him. And it was so amazing to watch because the bull was the bull. Let me tell you, he's, he's like head honcho. And he firmly headbutted the, the calf, but then came over and just kind of gave him a nuzzle. Like, okay, you get it now? You understand who's boss? But at the same time, you're watching a mentoring. And all of this should be part of who we are. I think that's the issue that I just keep coming back to is what's happened to us. And I think at the center point is we have forgotten a simple word, which is to abide and abide in him. And that leads me to the next part of this, which I think is really important. There was an opportunity that came up this weekend of something extremely significant. And I'm not going to go into details because there's some sensitivity to it. But it took me back. It took me in a position to influence some high-level people and outcomes using the skills and sets that I have done in the past. And this opportunity came out of the blue very unexpectedly. And all of a sudden, I was like talking into a circle of people that I haven't really connected with for a long time. Those types of people, which would be in certain circles of where I used to work in special operations. 
And you find yourself in this place of like, oh my goodness. And what happened is I, as I stepped into this is what I call the hidden, some of these hidden traps right now that are all around. Before I realized it, I was being swept up in kind of a current of events that were very much within my skill set, very much within everything. And I mean, to the point where it's kind of like you become suddenly the subject matter expert. You're talking about information warfare. You're talking about influence. You're talking about strategies. These are things that I've done. You're, you have the, the rhythm to be able to be engaged and you've got the skill to be able to show specific results and to be able to also build plans and exercises. And when I first, when doing this, I'm like, oh, I can, I can layer that on top of what I'm already doing, but something went awry. And all of a sudden it was like I was nauseated and almost sick to my stomach. I mean, physically I was ready to throw up and I realized what had happened. Operation Vineyard is one of the greatest commissions one could ever be given. And Father placed that commission before me to bring into Bar's Nation. Now, this particular opportunity would be at best tangential to that and most likely, un, most of the time, totally unrelated to Operation Vineyard. And I had stepped into this particular opportunity, not because I was seeking it, but because I had a compassion for an event and an ability to advise to help protect somebody whose livelihood and life was being eviscerated or attempted to be. So it was all out of goodwill. But I didn't do something first. And here's where I'm, this is where the rubber hits the road. I stepped with a good heart, but I didn't pray into Father God first and ask him for his guidance. So what ends up happening is I open a door, which is there, and all of a sudden there's a flood of stuff from my past. And all of a sudden it's like I'm just feeling like, what the heck just happened? It's like all of a sudden things are not clean, not clear. I'm being pulled in a, in a direction like I used to go that I don't want anything to do with. I hate politics, even though I talk about them all the time. I hate them. And it's like, what in the heck is going on? So immediately I'm, I'm like, okay, I got to go into prayer. And I did. And what I realized was what I just said, that I had not sought Father's advisement first. And I got a bit of, I'm very honest, God rebuked me. Not in a bad way, but in a way to shake me up and give me wisdom. And his answer, and I'm praying, and I'm like, God, what is going on here? And he said, I did not tell you to go that way. And I realized, absolutely correct. He did not. I took the initiative on my own. I jumped. And in the process, I pulled myself into an I put myself in a position to be pulled into an orbit that would completely degrade or reduce my effectiveness in the commission that God gave me to steward. So I, I immediately repented. I mean, just like, Father, I am so sorry. I am so sorry. I don't even know what to say here. And I still, I mean, I will tell you, it's heavy on my heart right now because I, when I, I, these sorts of things for me are big mistakes that I should see coming. And I got blindsided out of the good nature of my heart for somebody's seeing somebody being victimized. But at the same time, that good nature, there, the evil is there all the time. And I don't know if it's outrightly evil, but it's, it's what lures you in. Those, those, we'll call them booby traps are laid all over by the enemy to lure you in. And then pretty soon what happens is they degrade you and pull you aside. Now, this is one of the greatest tricks, by the way, ever that the CIA uses. And when you run and when you try to influence somebody, what you do is you get them, say they're focused on something that is 
and they're becoming very powerful in their voice. And so what you do is you step in and you make you get somebody you get somebody to step in to introduce to build a relationship with them and then you bring in another opportunity that will sound greater than the one they're in and you let them start running after that other opportunity and in the meantime you pull them away from their circles of influence so that they're no longer as effective as they were. And that's all you have to do is reduce their effectiveness enough to where they no longer have that cutting edge point of the spear bite, and then everything else takes care of itself. And that's exactly the trap that was laid for me. And it's a super easy one for me to have stepped into. And I realized at that point in time, it was the word abide. Where much is given, much is asked things to remember, but to abide. And that means to abide in Father as he pushes us, as he directs us. And it's so easy to step off that path. And it's it's kind of like a frequency shift. You know, you're on the, you've got, say, you're listening to the radio and you turn it like one click and all of a sudden the radio goes highly staticky. That's what it was like. It's like, I went from like this total alignment with Father. We sat on two nights ago, I guess it was Friday night. I, or maybe it was last night. I can't even remember now. No, it had to be Friday night. Sorry. I sat on the porch, beautiful night of stars, and just had a wonderful evening talking to Father. And then I just, I asked him just to join me in visualizing what my county would look like as a kingdom stronghold. And it was just the most amazing shared experience of us looking at the various things together. And then he finishes it this with the most amazing vision. And I, I'll share it with you because it was at the property and he showed this, we showed where we were at the property on the hill. And in, and he's, this vision was that just below the, the, the cusp of the hill, every night there was a group of singers after dark that were singing hymns to heaven. And as they did, you could hear them up the valley, but then every person, there was people all over that valley that would step out and join in the singing. And it went from where we were all the way to the ocean and all the way to the mountains in the county. And it just echoed with these beautiful hymns. This was the vision. And to the point that even in heaven, they were crying. It was so beautiful. So that's, that's like, you know, one night, it's Friday night. And then this other thing happens, which is exactly what you would expect because the enemy is going to start setting traps and they want to deviate you off the path. And we have to be very aware and discerning of what's before us. And the only way that in the end that we can do this is if we're truly abiding in Father. And that means that when we are abiding, everything, and I talk about this all the time, and here I made the major step, I mean, I'm ultimately... Like it or not, I'm human. But um, I made the mistake that I made an amateur mistake. Bottom line, what I consider what I consider at this point in my walk an amateur mistake. With all that was put before me, I got pulled over here with something that I was out of my heart doing the right thing. I was pursuing the truth and stepping into something that was taking me, but took me back, then take me forward, and it opened up this big portal you will, for just to use a term, where there was a flood in, and it's it's a disruptive, mucky flood. It's like, whoa, 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 wait a minute, where'd that come from? Because I don't want anything to do with that. And all of a sudden, it's like you're in an orbit you didn't want to be in. And now you've got to untwine, un- untangle that orbit without being disingenuous and without being abrupt and brutal, but you have to go back and pivot back to what your mission is. Your mission and is a in abiding to what God tells us to do. And fundamentally, it's that simple. But we don't live in a world that respects that. So as you walk into some of these things, then you're like, oh, now i got to try to explain this to where these people can understand it without just going, hey, thanks, but no, get out of here. Because at the same time, these I'm not one that wants to burn. I'm not trying to burn bridges. But I am trying to position where the Lord wants me. And as I pursued this in prayer, what God was putting on me was this. He said, I didn't tell you not to do it. 
but you never checked with me to tell you I wanted you to do it. So if you are, whatever goes forward here, you have to let me lead. I'm like, Roger that, boss. I'm good. I don't want to get out here. I think this is just a great reflection here for all of us because what we end up in a place where we have a deci- these critical decisions, it's easy to point to the critical decisions as, okay, I need to take time and pray. And really that is just it, is we need to be able to take time when these things come at us, even when there's a flurry of stuff, and understand that whatever we're being drawn to, it is important that we take time to pray into this and trust in Father. And this is, again, why it is so important that we get to know his voice and know his intention and be clear where he wants us to go. And sometimes it may not happen immediately. We might have to wait a little bit for discernment or clarity from, from our Father. But in the end of the day, we serve him and no one else. And this is a very different, this was probably my most intense test of that statement considering the magnitude of the event and the, the essentially capturing of me which is what was happening, the capturing of me. And it's very, it's a, it's a very interesting place to walk. It's, it's um, I won't say it's a Jezebel spirit. It's not the right term, but it's of that magnitude. Okay, so it's something that just kind of has a really grab, grabbing narcotic sense to it. And then when it gets tangled in there, it doesn't release quickly. Other than, you know, you can take a machete to it, which sometimes is probably a good one. It's from a metaphor. And I know that some of this is a bit general tonight, but I, I'm, I think the point is being made that we have to be able to abide in what Father tells us. And that's not general. That's specific. Wherever he has us walking, that's where our path is. And when we're holding to that path and trusting in him, that means that everything that comes across our way always has to be framed through the path that he wants us on unless he's telling us to move somewhere else. And when we're that in alignment with Father... The armor is strong. He will handle everything else. But then once we kind of like put a crack in the armor and we got all this other stuff in, we got to turn back to him. We have to trust in him. And whatever that is, if that means that he says, fix it, clean it up, then we have to do that too. Because that's ultimately the personal accountability and it is the decision point of us walking in this world with free will. But the most amazing part about this is what Father's opening up to us. He is opening up one of the most unbelievable experiences we could ever imagine. He's asking, he, he's opening the door for an intimate relationship with him. And with that, there's a tremendous amount of responsibility and accountability on our behalf. And that means abiding in him. And that means trusting in him and the walk with him. We're not... In this modern day, we're not wired like that. We're like, okay, I'm going to pray, and that's where I'm going to be, and then I'm going to go out and I'm going to do these things, and then I'll come back and check in with God. That's not the way we're talking about here. And that's been the big shakeup for me is as much as I I would say I do do that, this was a moment when I didn't. And the thing is that the moment that I didn't wasn't a small moment. The opportunity was significant. The people involved were significant. And it's like, oh, my goodness. And then you get torqued with other things like, you know, you have to start reflecting. Okay, what did I say? What were my, what were my implied? This is all spiritual. And I'm, I'm very important here because then when you get into a situation like this, you have to go through and say, okay, what did I actually say? What were my implied contracts? What were the actual contracts, spoken or unspoken or implied, And you have to start going through these in a repentance. This is my method. You can do it as you wish. But the way I work it is that you have to start going through, and I have to go through and start undoing these through a repentance with Father to unlock each of these, to quickly disengage some of this, diffuse the situation spiritually, and then to be able to get back into the fight in alignment with Father, now putting him before me, me, not me in the front, but him in the front, and abiding as he tells me to go. 
But all that has to happen to unlock some of this because we just don't value the magnitude of what we do in situations where when we step off the path and we cease to abide in him, even for a short period, and what that can do from a spiritual point of view in locking us into other energies and other influences. This is all about us growing in the Holy Spirit, of us growing in who we are as children of the Most High and understanding that our actions, our words, our deeds, and even, even our thoughts, we are accountable for. And that's when we start to, as we start to really get through this, we start to realize, I believe, a greater understanding of what Christ's message was. Jesus walked as a human. He was the Son of God, but he walked as a human. And when we look at that, he is demonstrating to us what was possible if we truly abided in him and through him to the Father. And that's where we get the things like step on snakes and scorpions, we get dominion over all the, all the works of the enemy. We get, you can do all that I do and greater works than he. All of that comes from that idea that we're totally abiding in him and in the Father. So it's just to a, as a reflection point on that, when we get to you take an instant like this and how easily we were diverted, and then you get into an, a story to remind us of what our potential is, and that would be the adulteress and the accusers, in which Jesus didn't take a side. He forced each to look at themselves, but then he says these words to her. At the end, he says, where are your accusers here? Who is here to accuse you? She says, no one, my Lord. And then he says this, go and sin no more. Now, I've heard so many people try to, just, like, try to explain this. They're like, that's not what he meant. He just meant that sin. That was Jesus that said that. Let's be clear. Go and sin no more. He did not stipulate that it was only for adultery. He said that as an open-ended statement, which means by definition, if he said that, that means it is possible, which we don't like to even hear because we keep telling ourselves in this screwed up, the way that the scriptures read is we are unworthy and we are always sinners. But Jesus openly said, go and sin no more which means it's a choice and it centers on the simple word abide. Because if we are abiding in him, then we are in an amazing place to do something incredible and to do truly those greater works than he. But it's going to center on our ability to abide in the Father. Now, as a final kind of piece on this tonight, which was another like eye-opening and rocking moment that God showed me over the weekend. And I truly mean this one. This one was like, oh, my gosh. So let me, and it all goes back to abiding and being, and ultimately abiding in our heart and understanding that we need to walk in a loving and forgiving space. These are really important pieces here. David abides in Father as he steps in. Gideon to, to Goliath. Gideon abides in Father as he strips his army from 30,000 to 300. And then they lift the pots, break the pots and lift the light. Joshua abides in Father even after they do Jericho and they sack the, his, one of his people sacks the temple or steals from the temple. And even then, the most amazing point there is that God tells him what he has to do to reclaim his anointing for his missions, which means they have to burn all the things of the whole family that was involved in that taking of something from the temple, and that family has to be stoned to death. And yet Joshua still tries to bring his man that's the accused to, can, to confess so that at least he will be forgiven in heaven. I mean, but the consequence doesn't change. So these are all massive pieces to understand. And it's really important to understand that moment with Joshua, what I'm about to tell you, where God dictates a judgment and what it takes in terms of being obedient and abiding to the comment Jesus makes, which he doesn't give judgment at all to an adulteress, 
which today people would probably stone her before they stone somebody who was a transgender. I'm, I'm serious what I'm saying here. So he doesn't, he does not give a judgment. Instead, he tells her, go and sin no more. And then we have this. The only place in Scripture that Jesus speaks of the crime and gives the punishment is with reference to doing harm to the little ones or influencing them to commit sin. And this is what always opened up. And it was jaw-dropping to me. And the question that I put to Father was this. Father, we're in a very interesting time and we're with so many things happening. And I think at the center point of so many of our hearts is what are we, what is our purpose here? And the answer was first one word, children. But then it opened up. And he said this, he says, you have it upside down. It has always been the children, the pure mission. And as this unfolds through the next, through the night, it, it's, it's like this. The children arrive as innocence, in innocence, bringing innocence to the world as in, as in Eden, the garden. They have the ability to see across the veil. They have an ability to see the spirits. And as we move into the world, we become corrupted in a corrupted world. Our mission is to move forward and gain the wisdom of the experience in life in the physical flesh, but to return, as Jesus said himself, you cannot go to heaven unless you're, you go to heaven like a child, unless you have the heart of a child, but to return to the heart of the child with the wisdom of our life to mature us. This is very much, if you've ever seen the Zen circle, and I bring it up because it's based on martial, it's a martial arts philosophy that the person enters the dojo with a white belt and they are innocent and often they are the most, <laughs> I can't tell you how many black belts I've seen get whomped on by a white belt because they don't have any rules yet. Then they practice and they discipline and they become very good at a way of, of fighting and thinking and they become a black belt. And in the traditional way, the white belt becomes so dirty from the hours of practice that it becomes black because you never wash it. But as that training continues, ultimately mastery is reflected in a belt that becomes so worn and so dirty but so worn that all that's left is a belt that is returns to a whitish state with gray of wisdom, and that's what defines the master. And that's the circle that isn't quite, you'll see it, it's a Zen circle. It, is, it has an opening between the beginning and the end. That's essentially what Father showed me. But then he goes on to this, and this was the most amazing part of it. He's like, you were given the crime and the punishment. And in the greater works as he that means you can step into with the authority of judgment. Now think about that for a minute. God has all right to judgment. But in the crime of the little ones, we have been given the crime and the judgment. And we were given authority over this earth. And that was given to us by Jesus. But here's the catch on that whole thing. And as he reminded me, Back in January, he asked me the question, who is your enemy? And I answered, I can't point to them. And he said, that is why I've told you to build, to master the loving and forgiving heart. Now go build the map, which is what we're beginning to do. So I just want you to reflect on this a little bit, as you wish, take it to prayer. But there's a significant understanding here because we've been in the in this greater works area as we lean into our authorities, we've actually been given authority, crime and punishment in our hands. That's an unbelievable responsibility. And the only way that we can accomplish that is to understand the nature of God's justice. And 
That is mercy, not punishment. And to understand mercy and the nature of God's judgment, the only way we will get there is to abide, to abide in him. We deviate the path. We become what we see around us. To walk in that path of kingdom, we must abide in him. And through his walk, we gain the wisdom and ultimately in the hand of justice, we gain mercy. Let's pray. Father, we're blessed to be here tonight and thank you for just a wonderful journey over this weekend of just prayer and understanding and insight. The many aspects of pitfalls and challenges that are set before us. And Father, this is truly a time as we lean into these things and we're blessed to have these insights to gain a deeper appreciation for what the tasks are that we are capable of and what it demands of us as children of the Most High. For the waffling of our space, forgive us, and for the the temporal nature we have of and our emotions that corrupt our heart, forgive us. But we pray here tonight as well for wisdom to flood down upon us, to fill our hearts truly with what you need us to do so that we can better abide in you. So, Father, as I put myself before the throne and all that will join, forgive me for the deviations that I've made. Forgive my heart for wandering. I'm here to abide in you. Send me. In Christ Jesus' name, amen. This is um, a really amazing time we're in. And the more that we walk it out, the more that we really see this world increasingly through his eyes, the more amazing the reflection of us being here in this time, in this place. I have to say, I mean, I really feel sorry for those that can't hear right now because the the lessons that are pouring out, the, op, the ability for us to see ourselves and understand our greater place, our greater purpose, our greater gifts, it's just amazing. It's stunning. So it's just to close with a very positive story. If you didn't hear, I just wanted to share it one more time. Last Friday... We prayed for one of our members here, a friend of his that had jumped into a pond and broke his neck. And the, the prayer request was something to like this. I've never asked for prayer. This is my first time, but I really need prayer. And it was his friend Phil's brother, I believe, that jumped into a pond and broke his neck and was paralyzed from the neck down. So... I told a story, which I didn't understand why God wanted me to tell the story, and then I knew the minute I finished it of something similar that had happened in high school and whose father, this guy that jumped into the river, shallow area, hit his neck and broke his neck. His father was a doctor and could not repair him. He lived his life as a paraplegic. And the minute I said those words, I understood why father had me tell that story because we are not of this world and that we have been given the authorities to do just that, and as long as we abide in him. So we prayed, and we declared healing. And the message that came through about three hours later said that within an hour of the prayer, the person that we prayed for that was unable to move from the neck down was beginning to move their feet, their hands, and move around in their torso. We, he was being healed. That's the God we serve. That's the God we abide in. That's the God of miracles, the, the Lord of hosts. And that's the God that is opening the doors that only he can open, that are allowing us now to step into an, or a threshold where we can walk within Jesus like we've never imagined before. All we have to do is abide in him. Patriots, keep your head up and your eyes forward. 
never bow to evil, never relent, always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I will see you tomorrow for Bended Knee. Until then or until the next time. God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. Sometimes it takes all you get to believe 